Hey, Russ, uh, non- none of our teams tied this week. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything to you. By the way, I really don't like this matchup predictor for Michigan-Wisconsin. Doesn't uh, you guys are going to have a fun fucking weekend. And we can do it together, which makes it even better. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully not too many field goals are attempted. Be nice. Nope. I don't need any kickers. But, Eric, I will text you every time you miss a kick, though, even though I'll be in the same room as you. <laughs> I, will throw you out of, I will throw you out of my house so fast. <laughs> uh, that was too good. God, yeah. I, I think I did sleuth it out, though, why this crazy shit's happening with the field goals, though. Adam Vinatieri's fault, dude. Yeah, the dude, the the goat falls apart, and no one knows what to do. Oh right, it's like dragons leaving the world in Game of Thrones. Right, magic disappears. Vinatieri's dying. Kickers are dying everywhere because of it. Yeah, that's no, true. It's an epidemic. Right. We need we need Pat McAfee back in the NFL. That's what. Dude, Pat McAfee calling football games right. is amazing. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. <clears throat> All right, so do some uh, college football recap and predictions. Lions. Plays of the week, NFL game of the week, and then if we can get to the best of topic, we get to it. If we can't, we can't. We make it work. Okay. Actually, we might just go right into sixty seconds of salt because you're going to talk about state. Wonderful. So, okay. I <laughs> see you doing. Let's get mad. The stats. They've replaced him with cone. A cone would have been an upgrade. The salt. I am permanent salty on this team. The sanity. Did you just giggle at me saying cooter? And every so often, they talk about sports, too. Here is Eric Dorsch, Russ Ivanek, and Justin Marcus. This is Armchair Sports Talk. All right, well, let's just jump right into it, guys. Going to try a new way of doing this this week. Uh, You know who the three of us are, if you listen to the uh, opener of the show. So we're going to get right into it, and we're going to start it with a segment we haven't done in a while. Haven't had much cause to do it in a while, but I'm excited for it. Justin doesn't know this, but I pretty much baited him into it by sending him this idea. And a couple of minutes ago, he texted us and said he's going to have to do it the exact way I predicted he was going to do it, Russ. I wanted him to talk about state. He's going to talk about state. Justin Marcus, 60 seconds of salt. The clock has started, and go. I'm just going to say you guys are lucky we didn't do this, like, I don't know, Sunday night or Saturday night and had it more close to the event. But it, it, it still plays. Two missed field goals, seven penalties for 62 yards, didn't score until the fourth quarter. On that drive that Arizona scored on, not a single spy was watching Daniels, and they allowed him to have 27 yards on their scoring drive. Twelve guys on the fucking field, one missed game-tying field goal. Yes, I am talking about my Spartans. I absolutely hate them. Seven points on 404 yards, which 300 were through the air. Last year, only 314 through the air, and we got... 13 points. I officially want off this fucking ride and I want my money back. They, they're doing nothing to show me that they're actually going to grow as a team. And it makes no damn sense. They're they're I, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like I, I taught my kids, my four letter word that I love to use all the time. And they heard it as soon as we missed that kick. And I started power cleaning my house and I want this team to power clean through this disease that they can't score points. So seven points. I had I had a terrible weekend with football, and I I don't know what version of Michigan State I'm going to get this week or any week for the rest of the goddamn season. So I'm I am permanent salty on this team. Permanent permanent salty on your Spartans. I yep. I would say I'm disappointed, but I love it. I, I I'm slow. <laughs> we're slowly pulling Jay to the dark side. He'll never root for the Maize and Blue, but we can at least get him to hate the other team just as much, and uh, it'll be it'll be fun. Uh, I would like to say I, I did 
not to rub any more salt in the wound, Jay. Uh, I was oh, bring it, baby. I was listening back to the show uh, on my way to pick up Aaron from the airport, and I will say I did call this one, albeit I thought there were going to be a lot more points than this. I did call yeah. this one. It was um, this to me was exactly how I see Michigan State when I watch them. Defense is good. I mean, ten points is ten points. Arizona State, good or not, you know, holding a team to ten points is holding a team to ten points in in Division One football. It's on the other side where this offense. I mean, Lewerke threw the ball thirty eight times. Granted, for 291 yards, but didn't put it in the end zone once. It, I, I don't know how many more ways I can say it and how many, how many more times I can say it. This guy is not a good quarterback. He's just not a good quarterback. It's, it's reaching that point, albeit very early in the year, that you guys might need to start looking at the backup because you cannot risk falling apart at the end of the season. You're going into Big Ten play. You've got Northwestern this week. This is a week you got to go out there and punch a Big Ten team in the mouth and reestablish that you are at the top of the Big Ten. And Lewerke's not your guy to do it. No guy should be throwing I, the ball 40 times and not put one of those throws in the end zone. Especially when you I, don't I would, have much I would of a run game. Just quit. Yeah, no. I, I would I'd rather take up like bird painting and stand on my deck for three hours and find a <laughs> cardinal and draw it to scale then fucking watch this. It, it, we're going to see Lombardi, and I'm just going to be even more depressed. Like, this is not what I wanted for this year. And you're hitting some key points. We have a Big Ten matchup, and I don't think we're going to be big at all in any way. But, Jay, can, I mean, you're disappointed about it being uh, potentially Lombardi. But can I ask, can you really say that Lombardi is going to be all that worse? Then, aside from one game, Lewerke's been average to say the, the most. You can't really say that Lewerke's been shredding the Big Ten or the – like shredding college football with his passing skills. He throws the ball a ton, but he doesn't even do it efficiently. I mean, thir- 38 of like 21 of 38 for 291. I mean, that's that's middle no. of the road at best. No, I don't I mean, he's not going to be able to work he a pass play that much. He won't he can't be as bad as he was last year, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I just I don't know what to expect. That's the thing. This team has no identity. I, I don't know if I'm getting Tulsa, Michigan State, or if I'm getting Western Michigan, Michigan State. I, I sure as hell better not be getting Arizona, Michigan State. Like I don't I don't know what they are. They don't. At least Michigan constantly turns over the ball. Michigan doesn't. Michigan State doesn't know if they want to win or lose every single week. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know what I'm well, doing. Well, and anymore. see that to me is the the scarier part. Is you know what this team is potentially capable. Example being Western Michigan, but the problem is you don't know what you're going to get that week. You're literally it's like walking into a duel and not knowing if they handed you the loaded gun or not. Like it's it's a very scary situation each week. And uh, Russ, you've been suspiciously quiet as we tear apart Michigan State, and it's it's very unsettling. You're you're, you're the math man. You're the stat man here. The numbers don't look good for this to even be a great week or week for Michigan State. Uh, well, they don't look great when you look back historically, but I, I just want to point out I'm amazed that Justin got through that whole minute and didn't once mention the back-to-back timeouts that were called on a fourth down with a minute and a half left um, without a single play happening in between, and they still gave up the fourth down conversion. Yeah, I removed I've, that from uh, my memory. Thank I, you, Russ. I've also, I've also <laughs> been very, very careful not to bring up the last play of the game. 
yeah, uh-huh. I wasn't even gonna go that far. <laughs> I, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I, I, I figured tortures enough, and like sixty seconds assault was his chance to exercise those demons. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, Jay, I, I'm not even gonna bring up that last play. You know it. You, you suffered through it. I've seen video of it. You scaring the crap out of your daughter as you screamed yep. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, punishment enough. Uh, who knows? I may even add in that little sound clip later when I edit this all together. But oh, for, now, <laughs> for now, we're going to leave it as it is. But back to it, Russ. Almost a, give give us your, imp- your impression on Arizona State. If we missed anything, if not, let's get right into Northwestern. You got the math for it, so I'll let you kind of take the, take the reins here. I mean, just real quick, I will say – Except for finishing, the Michigan State offense looked better than than really what you might have expected. Like completely dominated Arizona State. Really, the defense looked elite again. Right, it wasn't their fault. They held up their end of the bargain. Four sacks, gave up ten points. Right, like that part looks good. Just yep. Can't finish, and really lack a lot of explosive playmakers. But looking to Northwestern. Um, over under set of thirty eight and a half, and because that felt weird to me, I had to go and look. These team, these two teams have played fifteen times since two thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Only twice have they been under, un, under that spread of thirty eight and a half. Michigan State's won both of those games, so as long as it stays low scoring, like this defense says it should, I, Michigan State has to like their chances. But if we've seen anything a.k.a. the last three games against Northwestern that Michigan State lost, uh, crazy things are going to happen in this game, and it's going to go off the rails pretty quick for a team that's basically Michigan State but a little bit worse everywhere. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Just decided. (laughs) A a collective sigh between three people over a football team, we pretty much have them dead to rights. Like that's it's, it's Well, see, the thing is, you know, it's even worse when the collective sigh comes from two not Spartan fans. We're that remorseful of your team that we're even willing to put a sigh in. Most U of M yeah. fans would be going, yes, but we're we're even we're, you're, you're our friend. And through os- osmosis, it, we've I'm not invested at all in this team, but I'm at least invested in your well-being because of this team. It could be detrimental to you. Uh, I mean, if you had. How often are you touching him that osmosis is a thing? More than he knows, my friend. More than he knows. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I've learned very quickly how to open the door so his uh, his house doesn't beep when I come in. Oh, um, that's terrifying. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know, honestly, if he had hair, I'd be worried about him losing it because this is going to be a hard, hard, hard season, Jay. And. Uh-huh. See, I love it. He's not even trying to push back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. No, yes. No. Yes. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Yep. Sure. Sure. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's just go right to it, Jay. Um, I'll go first. I'll, I'll give you a minute to to settle down a little bit. I don't want, I'm worried about your heart rate. Uh, you got Northwestern this week. Noon game. You're 77.6% favorite to win it. Spread is uh, nine. Over-under is 38 you care about the money line. I, I don't care because it's state. I would never, ever waste my money on it. Um, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're going to lose. And if only for the fact that I don't believe in the every other, where it's going to be this week you're going to get the Western Michigan Spartans. Uh, I think you're going to get the uh, 
you're going to get the Arizona State Spartans. I think this is going to be a low game. It's it's going to be a. I said it last week. First one to twenty one points. I, I would venture to say the first one to seventeen points is going to win this game because your okay. defense is good enough to keep them keep them down. The problem is I don't know if your offense, if the offense is going the way it is, is going to be good enough. I feel like 17 points is a benchmark. If you're D'Antonio, you look at these guys and go, score the ball twice. We'll kick a field goal, but score. Or we'll, we'll make sure we have the correct amount of people on the field. We'll kick a field goal, oh. score the ball, <laughs> score score two touchdowns. If you do that, we'll win. The problem is if you can't do that and you guys sputter, I have a little bit of faith in Northwestern to be able to put up two touchdowns. So I'm saying first to 17. I'm going to call this a 17-14 game. This is going to come down to a field goal again, but this time it's going to go in your it's 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 going to go against you guys because it's going to be Northwestern kicking it. So awesome! I have it being seventeen fourteen, and uh, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a it's going to be a fun weekend for us sitting next to you, but I don't think it's going to be an enjoyable one for you, buddy. No, no, that's, that's why God created beer, and we're yeah. going to be drinking lots of it on Saturday. Lots of beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the specific reason Michigan State football. <laughs> It's not not an incorrect assumption, I suppose. Um, no, Jay, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you go through this one now? All right, for the cherry on top on Michigan State, because I can only be depressed for so long. We're we're in the same realm, Eric. You and me. Um, I know Russ was throwing the numbers on the over. I still think it's going to be under when you're looking at that stat line. Yeah. Um, I have State winning, but not covering the nine that they're given. Um, I first of all. Northwestern's quarterback, I watched them week one against Stanford. They're a joke, and I still am going to label them as non-pesky. That doesn't mean that they're not good enough to hang with us because we're not good to begin with, but their their quarterback's name is Hunter Johnson. That has to be the fakest quarterback name I have ever heard. <laughs> okay? So they've got that going against them. Um, our, our defense is going to carry the load. We know that part of the story, but Northwestern literally cannot stop the run or the pass. They're giving up on average close to 170 so far for both of them. Yeah. So I think we're still going to have a couple moments. I'm limiting Northwestern to just field goals the whole game. They're going to kick four field goals, and that's it, and we will win 20-12. to 20-12. Okay. So you're not In even – ugly, ugly fashion. You're taking the under all day. Oh, God, yeah. I have no faith. Okay. Okay. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, Mo Russ, we seem to put him in this situation a lot, and I don't think he has a problem with it whatsoever. Uh, Russ, you're the tiebreaker here. You got a loss on yeah. one side, a win on the other. Which way are you? Uh, which side of the line are you stepping to? Well, for, first off, that 32 point total would be the lowest scoring game between these two teams in the last 20 years. Okay. So hey, it'd be fun to see some history, I guess. I know, um, but, but to be fair, out. these are two pretty bad offenses. So Yeah, and it's not the only year that's been true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm actually going along the same lines as Jay. I think Michigan State wins. I do not think they cover. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd be running to my nearest bookie and putting money on Northwestern covering that just because of their history, right? It's always crazy stuff that happens. It's probably going to end up being closer than it should be. I've got 21-19. Um, Hunter Johnson is basically the, the deciding factor there. I had this preseason as a Northwestern win, and that was because I thought Hunter Johnson wouldn't be, well, what he's been, you know, more interceptions than passing touchdowns so far. Yeah, I mean, when you're 18 of 40, when you're 18 of 42 for 220 and three interceptions and you're going into your fourth game, that's a little concerning. Yeah, I figured 
it, the Clemson transfer would be doing a little better, but he has stumbled, to put it nicely. So I'll give MSU the scrappy, hard-fought victory here. Um, man, I, I hope so, because I, I can't be next to Jay for two weeks in a row of that. Jay, all I can say, and honestly, you do this, you do what you will with this. Last week we were under the same circumstances, and we let him be the tiebreaker. He sided with you. You saw the result. I mean, Man, I was wrong. <laughs> if you're superstitious at all, now's the time to say something because once this is uh, edited and posted, I can't change it. So, no, we can roll with it. I'm, I'm killing people in the the game of the week in the NFL. So there's there's some voodoo magic going on right you now. Heard, you heard it right oh. there. Justin's killing people. So, uh-huh. well, and the difference from last week though is I'm pretty sure Jim Caldwell isn't on the Michigan State staff anymore. So, counting players <laughs> should be an issue. Very true. <laughs> Thank right. you. So, Numbers are so fun. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So we got two wins and a loss as our predictions. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, we'll all be sitting in the same room for this one. So if the host of this show is right, he's never going to let you guys hear the end of it. Um, I, I said it in the, the pre-show, and I'm going to say it again because it just makes me that much happier. Russ, Michigan didn't tie this week or this past, or last <laughs> yeah. week. They, they didn't tie they last week. They didn't fumble. They didn't fumble either. They held on to the ball the whole time. So now we have to deal with Wisconsin. And I got to say, I am. This might be the most nervous I've been for a U of M football game in a little while. Even against Ohio oh, wow. State when they're a top, like, top like five team. I'm still never nervous because I'm like, you know what? It's Michigan. They, they, these are always good games. We're always going to be right there. This Wisconsin team just scares me. And I, I, I couldn't give you the exact reason why, except to say that they have a Heisman candidate running back who Justin picked to win the Heisman. Pretty valid and reason. It's a valid reason on its own. And um, they they just they have an overall good team. And it's Wisconsin. They just always seem to be right at the top of the Big Ten when it's all said and done. And with all the problems we've had the last couple of weeks, Coming off a bye, okay, we've got some time. We were able to hopefully fix some problems, but the problem is they had a bye too. And if we didn't fix our problems, we're in for a world of hurt. So, I mean, getting right into it, they're a 70% favorite. It's a three and a half point spread. The over under is 44 and a half, so they're expecting some points. Uh, straightforward, no sugar on it. If we haven't fixed these problems, i.e., the the, the turnovers, the, I guess you could say, pretty dull offense. I mean, what kind of chances are you giving our boys in blue? If if week one and week two Michigan show up against what we saw from week one and week two out of Wisconsin, uh, no, it, it won't be a game. Yeah. It, it will be a trouncing Jonathan Taylor touchdown. We'll take another step towards his Heisman candidacy, and we will stare ominously at Jim Harbaugh and ask him when he'll be the ranked team and try heavily again. <laughs> There's a chance, though. Last year, I think it was week five, they played Wisconsin, um, kind of exploded, right? Patterson showed some new wrinkles into the read, right? Had 91 yards rushing. They really just took it to him. Now, part of that was Wisconsin was completely toothless. The run defense was in shambles, and Alex Hornibrook was still a thing. Um, they've replaced him with Cone. A Cone would have been an upgrade, but this guy named Cone is also <laughs> an upgrade. Um, he's much better with the ball, holding on to it, much better with accuracy. Still not like a game changer in and of himself, 
but not being a negative is a huge upgrade when you already have the best player on the field come yeah. Saturday. That's true. Um, best chance they've got, uh, actually use some of their explosive playmakers, right? If Dom from People Jones is, is healthy and plays, that'd be great. But otherwise, <laughs> there's still some wide receiver talent that should be able to expose them and attack the right side of the Wisconsin line. Uh, they allowed six tackles for loss in week one. They're still banged up there. they got a guard rotation going on. If they can take advantage of that, limit what Jonathan Taylor can do to like 100 yards and not 150, make Cone throw it, then we can talk. Uh, but that's that's a big checklist I just said there, right? It's a that's, very big checklist. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of shit that you got to get done, and I haven't even mentioned not turning the ball over. Yeah. I mean, I to lead it off, uh, anything replacing, like you said, a cone, would uh, a actual orange cone would have been yep. better than Alex Hornibrook. Like the guy, I think he was just in over his head as a uh, Big Ten Division One quarterback. I just don't think he ever really had the skill set. The offense had to be perfect. The you know the circumstances had to be perfect for him to be successful, and that just didn't happen for him last year. So anything's really an improvement. That's not good for us. Um, I mean, the, if Donovan Peoples-Jones plays, that's amazing for us, but I didn't know he even still played at U of M. It's been so long. So it's just... It, it's, it's a very frustrating and scary... Saturday for us coming up and the turnovers are by far the worst. And that's why I've been campaigning for it for the last couple weeks. You didn't think I was going to go another week without campaigning for it. McCaffrey. going to go another 10 minutes. Yeah. McCaffrey, <laughs> Dylan McCaffrey. He's this really good quarterback. You haven't played him a lot. Give it a shot. Start Shay. That's fine. Go ahead and start Shay. I have no problem with Shay Patterson starting this game. That leash needs to be very tight and very short. And the second you start seeing him faltering, you need to get him out of there. Because the problem is we can't afford to wait until the mistakes start happening to 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 make the change. Because by then, it could already be too late. You see him faltering. You see him, you know, short-arming some passes. Maybe just not having the timing. Get him out of there. Get McCaffrey in. Get him on the sideline. Start talking to him. Working through whatever he's seeing out there that's got him shaking. So you can fix it. And then if you need to get him back in there, you need to get him back in there. But we have to try to avoid the mistakes as often and early as possible. And Shea cannot be the guy if he can't complete the passes, if he can't execute the offense, and if he can't hold on to the freaking football. Hold on to the ball. I said it last week. Go get some gloves. They're, they're right there on the sideline for you. Hold on to the ball because turnovers are going to kill us, especially against a Wisconsin team. Uh, we can't afford to be zero one in the Big Ten after this week. It just it cannot happen. We have too much ground to cover. Like as first it is. mistake, like the first mistake, you think, and that's the moment to put McCaffrey in, or how much how much leash you're going to give the man? Well, like I said, you need to. I mean, football teams, unless something's changed, football teams script their plays. The first twenty plays are scripted. They they already know they're going to call those plays. So he knows what's coming. He knows it's going to be pass here, run there. He knows what he's got, so he's had enough time to prepare it. You've practiced through this with him. He knows what to execute. So if you get him out there and you're only five plays into the script and you see, yeah, that doesn't look right, or he was supposed to, you're supposed to throw it there, or that was not supposed to be that call, then you know, okay, he's still shaking. There's just not something right. 
I'm not saying that like you got to give him the hook the second he he has an incompletion. But what I'm saying is, if you if you see the early signs of him just not being all there and not being, you know, the Shea Patterson we brought here to be the quarterback, then yes, then I'm saying okay, you need to start getting McCaffrey up, have him start throwing the football, have him warm up, because there's a good chance that unless he corrects in the next couple plays, something bad's coming, and we can't have that. We cannot have Shea snapping the ball, doing the you know the read option, keeping it himself. And getting getting tackled five yards downfield and fumbling the football that cannot happen. I, I I'll understand. I'll take the fumble when he gets just destroyed from the backside and doesn't see it coming. I can live with that. Some of the most sure-handed people on the planet aren't holding onto that ball. I'll take the fumble if a linebacker makes some miraculous play to strip a ball. I can live with that, but I cannot take the one where he gets hit in a normal tackle way and the ball pops out. You cannot turn the ball over against Wisconsin because, believe me, they're not going to give you a chance to fix the mistake. They're just going to capitalize. Yeah, that's sadly true. <laughs> I can't dispute that. So, um, I'll go first, get the punishment out of the way. I <laughs> I don't know how to make out this game. I really, I, I really don't. The U of M fan in me wants to say this is a win. This is a win for Michigan. They're they're gonna whatever whatever was wrong, Harbaugh and the coaching staff and the team, they fixed over the you know a week and a half off. They were able to work through things, get it going again. And this is a win. The sports fan in me and the guy who watches these games and pays attention and analyzes it unfortunately sees this as a loss. I, I don't want it to be in any way, shape, or form, but I could very easily see this being a 24-17 to 17 loss for Michigan. And unfortunately, that's the way I'm going to have to go. I think this is going to be 24-17. I think Shea is not all the way back. I think we're going to see that early on. I'm hoping the hook comes in time, but I could also see them not making that in time, and that's why there's a touchdown lead there. Shea turns it over at an inopportune time. Wisconsin capitalizes. So I'm going to go 24-17 loss. I don't like it one bit. I don't want it, but I can't sit here and say Michigan's going to go, you know, undefeated the rest of the way when it's not blaringly obvious that they are. So, uh, Russ, I got 24-17 Wisconsin. I, I can already see the headline. Eric Dorsch says, all your teams lose. That's <laughs> basically the theme for it. Um, I'm not too far off from you there. Um, I think it'll be 24-21. I'll tell you who I think is going to win in a second here because I got two numbers for you. Michigan hasn't won in Wisconsin since 2001. That's damning. Also, Ooh. since 2000, when these teams have met before week eight, Michigan is 5-1. and one. Before week six, they're 4-1. and one. So early season, Michigan has been resoundingly beating them. Okay. In Wisconsin, Wisconsin has been resoundingly beating them. So none of these matters. It, it's 24-21 Wisconsin. They got the best player on the field. Uh, one of those numbers is going to head the other way and fast this week. So did you just give us three record stats that completely contradicted themselves or went against each other? Yeah, I did. There to we go. prove the point that numbers can say whatever the hell. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. So I, I say 24-17. You say 24-21. Both going Wisconsin. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Jay, 
Go ahead and drive that nail home, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this 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 game is it's it's big boy time, and um, I'm I'm going with I'm working off the Vegas line of three and a half uh, for Wisconsin being favored. Um, another thing I'm thinking about too is that it's it's been awfully quiet in Ann Arbor for two weeks, so that makes me want to believe that Harbaugh is just like hunkering down, trying to come up with a way to shut everyone up and win a meaningful game. So I'm going to give that a little bit of credit as well. Um, I think U of M is going to give themselves a chance to win, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did win it, but I've got Wisconsin winning 28-24, and I'm taking the over as well in points on the spread. So. Okay. Uh, but I, just, I don't – I think Michigan's going they, – they're going to have an opportunity to win, and that's going to be the defining moment of that game. And I know it's kind of like easy just, oh, yeah, no shit, but – it's going to be glaringly like if they were good, they would have beat Wisconsin, and that's going to be a takeaway, 28-24. Uh, two things. One, I think Russ and I both would like to go on record as saying we are rooting for Michigan to win this game, and we want to see it. We just, yeah, it's in, possible they win. In doing this, yeah. we, we can't, in doing this show, we can't be homers every week. We have to give what we see in the most accurate representation possible. So, Anyone listening that's a Michigan fan, we're rooting for Michigan. We're we're 100% there, but we're just calling it as we see it. Two, I would like to thank the people at Audio Boom where we post this podcast for giving me an explicit button because Justin is using it perfectly <laughs> Literally. today. Literally, he has used it perfectly today in every way, shape, or form. So, <laughs> I swear, I don't even remember swearing to be honest with you. You, you just said, "Yeah, no shit." So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I did say that, and you've used it a couple other times too. So this is great. What the salt? The salt is seeping. So let me let me just do hey, it. Okay, I'm good. I just want to point out that I'm so happy <laughs> that we. I, I'm also putting out the endorsements. Thank you to Audio Boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So now that we've gotten our personal tragedies out of the way, let's get together for our collective problem and that's the Detroit Lions um I want to get in to last week's game I want to get into this week's game but before I do it I, that little side note to take us outside of Detroit sport or Michigan sports um one of the big stories over the the last couple of days has been the fact that Pro Bowl all world I think he's a little overrated but still who cares corner Jalen Ramsey from the Jacksonville Jaguars wants to be traded I found out about this because Justin texted both of us and Justin, you seemed like you really wanted this to happen. So one, I want to, I'll let you go first then one, why? And two, what is it going to take if we are even in the running for this to get Jalen Ramsey in a Detroit uniform? Because they've already established they want a first round pick and they want more than just a first round pick. I'll answer the second part first. Okay. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick didn't help because there's the baseline of a first. And yeah. then you're probably going to have to give up a player and probably two more picks. I'd imagine Jacksonville is going to just crank that up to the top to get whatever they can out of it, which they're going to need anything they can get. I also think the same about the Lions. They need anything they can get because Slay took off last weekend, in my opinion. I know we'll touch on that in a minute. Yeah. But, like, if defense is going to be part of our identity, it's a common theme I'm like working off of this week. They need more guys like Jalen Ramsey to build that identity, so we have at least one thing that we actually can predict every single Sunday watching them. Because that game against the Chargers was ugly, 
And uh, I, I don't I don't care what it takes to get Ramsey because I think if we're already all in on what, the moves we did in the off season. We might as well double down, and if we fall apart, well, Columbus did that with the Blue Jackets, and they're going to be just fine this season. So I'm, I'd rather go all in again and, and focus on defense. Okay. Um, my one thing, and because I, I, I see the reason that we can have this conversation, because you are pro, I'm a little con, because I will 100% agree with you, and like you said, we'll get to it in a minute, that Slay, he, he phoned it in last week. This was not big play Slay. You're going to tout yourself as such. You need to be that. Um, but I will oh, wait, say... Wait. It was big play, not big plays. Yeah, there you go. That a boy. That a boy. <laughs> it's uh, true, though. It's that S. The lisp just comes out. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> this is Ricky Henderson here. We don't pluralize things. It was yeah. one, big, one big play. One big play. No, I'm saying if you're going to call uh, yourself big play slay, you need to be as such. He was not. He had one big play. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but... On the other side, we're talking about a guy who he's a talented athlete. I can't take that away from him. He proceeded last season to make a list of all the quarterbacks and give his opinion. And then, I don't know if anybody realizes this, he proceeded to go ahead and get shredded by a lot of the quarterbacks that he made as not good on his list. Oh, by the way, a little check to your brain. You said Blake Bortles was a good quarterback. That's, that's, already, a, that's already a negative in my book. He's a good player, but I, I I don't see I don't see Revis. I don't see Champ Bailey. I don't see these guys that we grew up watching who were the best corner in the game. I, he's good. I just don't know that Ramsey is that. I think he's just he, he he reminds me a lot of these other guys who were really good for a year or two, and because of that, they're they're held in a little bit higher regard. We've said it on the show a million times before. I don't think Richard Sherman's a very good cornerback. I think he's a good talker. I think he's a good uh, hype man and a guy who gets his team going. He's a good verbal leader. He's not a one-on-one corner. He's not going to shut you down. A couple years ago, it was Josh Norman. I, I don't remember the last time I heard about him. He got a deal from Washington and he's just been quiet ever since. So I get a feeling that Ramsey might just be that. He's a he's a the number one hype guy on a very good defense. I'd be interested to see what he is when he comes to a team where he's got to fit in and blend in and be that guy every single play. And he doesn't necessarily have all that top tier talent in front of him. Yeah, no, that those, those are, those are valid points because he's been sitting in Jacksonville. And if you get him out of the sun a little bit more and bring him up to the North and with a team that actually has like you know, respectable people, Maybe he'll shut up, or maybe he'll just go the Odell route and just keep pressing on. So, but like that that headache, I want it. I'll take some Advil later. I'll deal with it. I, I want him on this team. That's fine. Um, I think it's gonna. Uh, and Russ, I I'll definitely want to hear what you have to say. I think to be quick, it's gonna cost us that first round, like we know. Uh, I I I think it's easily gonna, if not this upcoming draft, the following draft, gonna cost us another high pick, whether that's a first rounder, a second rounder, depending. And then I think it's going to cost us one of those nice shiny toys we just got in this offseason to even remotely get Jacksonville to look this way. Because there are going to be those teams that are really bad, that know they're going to be really bad, but know that getting Jalen Ramsey is the first step in that direction again. And they're going to throw everything, including the the vending machine in the locker room at them to get this person in that uh, their jersey. So I, I think this is going to cost, to me... 
the cost is more than the the. I don't know how to phrase this word. The what we're gonna have to pay. Is, yeah, You're right. I, 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 the cost more than return didn't sound right in my head, but that's the best way to to say it. The cost of acquiring this guy is more than the return of getting him. So that's how I feel. Well, uh, j- jumping right off on that, I actually got some trade comparables here that we okay. can go over to give give a better idea. First off, Jacksonville's looking for two first. No one's going to give him two first. No, it's not going to happen. Um, but jumping back to Revis, he got traded when he was 28, took a first and a fourth. Right, A little bit older than uh, Jalen Ramsey is now, but that's kind of the comparable there. That's kind of the floor. Um, Marcus Peters, who is more what you think, what Derek thinks Jalen Ramsey is, went for a second and a fourth. Um, and then this past offseason, Odell Beckham, just to go for another high-profile guy who got traded for a bunch, uh, went for a first, a third, and Peppers, who is a recent 25th overall pick. So it, it's probably going to be somewhere between Revis and OBJ. Um, so you're probably looking at a first and a second, a first and a third, maybe a first and a third and a role player. Um, hopefully you can talk it down to a first and a third because he's about to get paid, right? He's on his fifth-year option this next year, which is, either 11 or 13 million i forget exactly uh and then it's going to be a high ticket and jacksonville doesn't want to pay that they looked at trading them last year so maybe you can talk them down a little bit to that so you're dead on that it's going to take at least a first just to get in the conversation and then probably a day two pick as well it's so it's a question of are you okay with parting with that to get the only corner in the league who has at least 300 targets thrown at him and has a negative EPA per target. Like he's the only corner in the league with that sample size that you throw at him and your expected points that drive go down on average every single target. Uh, that, that's phenomenal in and of itself. Um, so he's, I think he's clearly in the conversation for best corner at the very least, top three, top five, um, even if you find some knocks against him, he'd look good next to Slay. Um, but you have yes, to be sure that the, that this guy is going to be the thing that pushes you from playoffs to Super Bowl contender. Yes. Uh, he can't be the thing that pushes you from 6-10 and 10 to 8-8, eight and eight. <laughs> from 7-9 and nine to maybe a wild card. Uh, then it's not worth the risk. Oh, I agree. But if you're, if you're like the Chiefs, First and the third, today, done. Yeah. You're going to give up, what, at worst, like the 28th pick in the draft? Okay, please, take him. All right, I, I have one. I, I While you guys were talking, I kind of I, I put together one. This might be a bit of a reach on it, but I want to see. You're GM of the Lions, or, yeah, you're GM of the Lions, and you this is, do you think this is an offer that gets it done? 2020 first, 2021 We'll say third or fourth, mm-hmm. and I, this might this is where I think it might be a reach to try to, to sell on. But I'm going to sell on just because of you're basically swapping positions and Justin Coleman. Ooh. So first this year's first, next year's we'll say third or fourth, and Coleman, who we just got and who's a heck of a corner, but most people would probably argue that Ramsey's an upgrade. So. If either of you are the GM, is that an offer you put on the table? And if you're the GM of Jacksonville, is that an offer that you even remotely entertain? Uh, mm. If it's me, I don't do it if I'm the Lions. Okay. Um, Ramsey's a clear upgrade over Coleman. 
you see a first and a third upgrade um, where you're just going to have, you're going to create another weakness, basically. Um, Coleman's taking something away, and, and really the appeal of Ramsey is the appeal of why we got snacks last year, right? Like that was one more guy that does this one thing very, very well, and it pushes everyone else down a slot into a spot that they fit really well. If you give her to Coleman now, the middle of the field was already an issue, and he was about the only thing holding it together. And that's going to be scary. So we're just going to see tight ends and running backs continue to exploit this defense like they have in the first two weeks here. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if, it, if we can keep Coleman, I think that's part of the whole appeal because now you have maybe the best secondary in the league with those three corners. Yeah. Um, oh, and I'm with, not saying I want to – I'm not – yeah. Good. I'm not saying I want to sell out on Goldman being gone. I'm just saying if you're looking for a player, you're looking for a swap, I think that that's the most you can offer for Jalen Ramsey that you don't end up killing yourself for the future. I'm not that's saying fair. that I would that's want to do that. I, if anything, I think it would be, I think a first this year and a third the following year should be more than sufficient. We're giving you the pick to go get your next corner and we're giving you a third next year that's it's mm-hmm. it's trade stock. Both of those are perfect trade stock for the, for the upcoming years. You're not going to be competitive. Your quarterback just broke mm-hmm. his shoulder, and your number one player wants to leave. You're you're a half a decimal point above Miami right now, so you're you're going to have a hard yeah. time going. I'd even go as high as a second next year under the Ooh. thought that hey that's well, equivalent to like a third this year. But what but I'm saying is to your draft cast, isn't I, I'm saying the the reason I say third or fourth next year is I'm assuming that they're still going to hold firm that they want a player. So if yeah. you if you if you're going to say just draft picks first and a second that's fine with me. If you give up a 2020 first and a 2021 second, I I can live with that. I I hate giving away that first pick, but if Ramsey gets oh, us yeah. over the hump I'm all for it. And as we've seen before, just because you trade away your first doesn't mean you're not going to have one next year anyway When you, if you make another big deal somewhere along the way. So right. uh, I'm with it. All right, so, Jay, those are the parameters. Do you take the, the first and second picks in consecutive years, or do you take the first overall pick and a pick and a player the following year? See, I'm, I'm conflicted because Russ brought up a good point about him wanting to get paid after the fact, and we just got done doing that with Slay and Snacks. So, I mean, I, I do like the first and then punch the, the third for the following. And if a player is involved too, then that sucks. But, like, so like that whole scenario could work out. But then, like, I, I spin it into, okay, when are we drafting a quarterback? It's obviously if we're giving up a first next year, it's not going to be next year. So we lose out on Trevor Lawrence and Tua. So we got to hope that there's another stud that comes through so we can, like, I'm I'm worried about how it compounds our other issues that are going to happen in the next couple of years. So, yeah, um, but I'm not trying to go backwards. I still want Jalen. I'd still give up a first and a third and the following to get him. But then there better be a clear cut plan for quarterbacks. That becomes, I think, our next big need. I don't. I, I, I we come to this conversation like multiple times a year. I don't understand where your your need for a new quarterback is because any new quarterback you get is an immediate step back for at least six games. You can't I expect start him immediately. I mean, it's like, it's like, what's uh, the Daniel point? Jones what's the point Eli? of using a first overall pick if you, if, if say we do trade for Jalen Ramsey and say that's the the little turning piece that I'm not saying gets us to a Super Bowl, but gets us into a winning record that puts us in the playoffs and potentially gives us that first playoff win. Okay, 
now you need to build on wherever the weakness was. If we get if we have that kind of record and we win, it's not going to be because of the quarterback. It's going to be having to keep building on those linebackers, on that offensive line, on you know, on those kind of things. Stafford is not the best quarterback in the league. He's also not the worst quarterback in the league. He's a above uh, in my opinion, he's he's way above, but I'm going to be fair here. He's an above serviceable quarterback. The guy went 22 of 30 for 245. Two touchdowns and two interceptions, but to be fair, the interceptions in the past couple of years, Stafford has actually been very good with the football. So I don't see why all of a sudden, if you get Jalen Ramsey, that Stafford all automatically gets the target put back on his back as the must replace next person. I, I only, and I didn't mean to take a sideways. I only say that because I think that just becomes the next big thing. And I would rather see them like be proactive by getting Jalen Ramsey and being proactive by getting the next quarterback. So we're not just Chad Canoffing all the time and we're ready for, hopefully the winning in the future. Okay. Well, I will say this. So I, I, I would do, I would do both deals. I'm, I, I'm a lunatic. All right. I get Ramsey fine. and then I get rid of Stafford. I know. No, I, I will say this. I, I, Trevor Lawrence to me seems like the heir apparent can't, can't miss guy. You got to show me something when it comes to Tua. why people keep mentioning Tua in the same breath. The guy had a really good national championship steamrolled through a college football season. Like every other quarterback, including AJ McCarron did at Alabama then he got into a national championship and he folded like a lawn chair. They had to put in the guy that they replaced him with, who is now destroying the Big 12 as Oklahoma's quarterback. Tua's good. I don't know that Tua is the next number one overall pick quarterback good. He's got a, he's got a few more things to do before he can, he can be that. Trevor Lawrence is a true freshman, steamrolled through everyone and won a title. And he's probably going to be right there again this year. So... I mean, we're we're going we're going a little sideways here, but I I do not think that Stafford is the next must fix. If anything, that offensive line still needs addressing. Doesn't look to me to be like a a solid front five unit consistently. They they've got needs. I agree with you on that. But yeah, I I still would do the trade though. Getting okay. back to the original question, I yeah. would do the first in 2020, and then do the third in the following. Okay. Uh, real 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 fast, Russ. Make anything out of the uh, C.J. Anderson getting released? Uh, I, I don't quite get it because I think Paul Perkins is just a younger but less talented C.J. Anderson, but C.J. Anderson wasn't getting it done. Uh, I like that they're pivoting more to give Ty Johnson more looks. That's what I was going to ask. Any, uh, to me, it feels like a, we want to go with Ty as number two. So yeah, That's what it feels like more. That's fine. Jay, I mean, I don't think you're really too upset one way or the other. It's just ex- exchanging one used part for another. It's it's five more snaps that Carry On should have had last week. <laughs> He's gone, <laughs> and then Carry On can run the ball some more. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, let's get to this one. Um, I <laughs> obviously uh, I had a very hectic schedule last weekend, so I saw the first half half of this one. Had to go to bed, but I I, I watched it in replay and got as caught up as I could. Um, I will agree with what you guys have said. This was a very very bad sloppy game. Uh, most of it from a guy who's probably the most consistent person on our team, and that's Matt Prater. He he really he looked like uh, he looked like he was really suffering from the Vinatieri fallout. It, it hit him too. Um, overall, I mean, when you look at a box score, it's tough because Stafford, twenty-two of thirty, like I said, two touchdowns, two interceptions. The two interceptions aren't great. Uh, Kenny Galladay had a day, eight catches for one hundred and seventeen yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, you go to the other side, like you said, Jay, Slay gave up or had a bad day because Slay was covering Keenan Allen, who went for, 
you know, 98 yards on eight receptions. Didn't find the end zone. That's always good. Uh, Phillip Rivers, 21 of 36 for 293 and an interception, a very key interception. Um, I mean, from what I understand and what I've seen, it looks like this game should have never been ours to win. It looks like some very, very missed opportunities by the Chargers. But at the same time, as we've said a million times on the show, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's whoever's got more points at the end that wins the game, regardless of what happened in the middle of it. So we'll take the win, especially after the, the previous week with the Arizona Cardinals. But uh, we're getting ready to go into Philly. Russ, is there anything you're taking from this Chargers game into Philly that you want to have them keep doing or any kind of confidence if you're the Lions? Yeah, actually, there's one thing that was uh, endearing, I'll call it. I, okay. I don't know. It was, encur- it was encouraging. Um, Caleb Decker's out. Crosby fills in. The line gave up zero sacks. Yeah. And the whole week coming up, I'm talking about Bosa and Ingram. Bosa and Ingram, like, they're going to kill Stafford. And there was a lot of pressure, but no sacks. Um, mm-hmm. So losing arguably your most important offensive lineman and still being able to pull that off, pretty impressive that was very not expected um and i won't focus on the fact that the chargers definitely lost that game way more than the lions won that game mm-hmm. hell they scored as many points as the kickers gave away throughout the season, <laughs> throughout the game um there was yeah they, they scored fewer points than they gave away at the goal line with an end zone interception and a goal line fumble so yeah <laughs> there's not a lot of good to take out of this, if I'm being honest, except for the defense did play well for most of it, uh, but the Chargers gave this away. The O-line held together. Uh, let's go to Philly and hope that they stay hurt. Yeah, uh, that, I, As I, I was scrolling <laughs> scrolling through my notes as, as you were talking, because I there was something I knew I key pointed. Um, outside of TJ Hawkinson, I would say this is the second most talked about Lions rookie that we've discussed, and I want to get your opinion of it because I've asked you all preseason, Russ, and I've asked you. I asked you last week too. I mean, a little bit of a, a little bit impressed with Jelani Tavai as you know filling in with for Jared Davis while he's out. I mean, eight total tackles, six solo, one for one tackle for a loss. He's not a like super highlight linebacker, but at the same time, he always seems to be around the pile and making plays. Um, I'm a lot of bit impressed with Jelani <laughs> Tavai. He has come right out and just said, eh, you know, everyone who didn't know me and was pissed off that I was a second-round pick, you can shove it straight up your ass. There you go. Um, hey, Russ Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Dude is unreal right now. He's flying around. He is literally exactly what they were looking for. This is what Matt Patricia's defense was craving, right? We saw it in New England with, you know, their big, their big middle linebackers that just take up space and destroy the run, and exactly that and he's flying around the field and he's picked up things way faster than rookie linebackers usually do <laughs> for not just being exclusive uh pass rushers no i'm i'm very impressed and i'm happy to eat some curl on this one yeah no i'm I, i'm right there with you though because i i remember sitting in that uh, you know sitting there doing that show with you guys we saw that name across come across the board and we're like huh but then i i you know i i gave him as much mm, as i could I, I i was you know tried to be a supportive but after seeing what I've seen, this guy's a, he's a pretty good linebacker. I mean, Jared Davis, when he comes back, there's there's a couple pieces in that linebacking core we can start being okay with when you factor in the fact that Kennard, you know, is a guy that doesn't have to put his hand in the ground every time to be a player. You got a pretty decent, you know, front seven 
kind of forming here, and a few of them are young pieces. I like that. Um, yep. Jay, on the other side, though, we, he had a hell of a week last week. Didn't have as great of a week uh, with the Chargers because he only caught the ball one time. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think we were all maybe a little giddy to get into the races with him. And I mean, not to say that he's going to be only be good for seven yards every week now, but uh, a little disappointed to not see TJ Hawkinson be a little more involved in this uh, offense. Um, Kind of, but no, I mean, flashy wise, he didn't do a whole hell of a lot, but he had some key blocks that were going on, but it, we just featured Jesse James a little bit more. He had a couple catches that were decent too. So yep. I think that was more a product of game plan than talent. Um, I would know because I started Hawkinson in my league, and that was fun. Oh, but, good for um, you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was not good. Um, but I, I think I was okay with it. I was okay how they used Hawkinson, even though I, I don't expect him to be an offensive weapon every time. So, okay. And we have Jesse James for that reason. So it was, it was a balanced attack. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, they said from the get-go they drafted Hawkinson for his blocking. He's a tight end mm-hmm. that likes to block. He's a, it just so it happens to be a bonus that he can also catch the ball quite well so i'm i'm with yeah. you with that the thing for me too and again this just might might be me either of you feel free to you know disagree with it i think it, it's hard to see like everybody else as being a contributor when it goes from 117 yards receiving to the next guy having 47 like one guy just clearly had a day so your eyes seem to focus more to what that guy did and you lose sight of the fact that you know Carry on had a like ninety all purpose yards when you put it together. I mean, you'd like a lot more from that, or you know the fact that you know Marvin and Jesse James they all got involved. It's just you see what Galladay did, and it's kind of hard to you know see what everybody else did because Galladay, you know, averaged almost fifteen yards of reception. He did, and I think we've got our first hint of what the lines are going to look like this season. With that, that Hawkinson week one was the stud. He was the game plan centered around. Week two is Galladay. Week mm-hmm. three is a Marvin, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll find out, right? But it, it seems like they go in and decide, all right, this is how we can attack this defense best. You are going to be the guy, and next week you might get nothing. Um, I will say, though, on the Hawkinson thing, uh, going from the rookie record for most yards week one, uh, he's now fifth for yards from a rookie tight end after two weeks. So this is not unexpected. No. This kind of comes with the territory mm-hmm. for a tight end. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, and I think it's by design, though. I, I do yeah. like the I like the uh, the design thought. The thing to me, as I was watching it, though, uh, seeing these two games in a row, part of it is, yes, I think game planning. Hey, this is a team that maybe can't cover a, a, a deep threat wide receiver as well, or this is a team that has a real hard time across the middle you know, with tight ends. Part of me also feels that if you think about it, the last three or so years, our offensive coordinator was a first-year guy who had never really called plays. I think a little bit of this is Bevel just going, we have a guy who's got a hot hand right now. We're going to keep going to mm-hmm. him. Whereas Cooter seemed like that guy who's like, I know that Marvin's mm-hmm. having a day. But uh, did you just giggle at me saying Cooter? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Um, Continue <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter was also, yeah, I, I heard it. I just, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, because he was kind of, you know, a new guy to this, he sometimes to me seemed like the guy who, uh, this will go for you, Jay, seemed like a guy who was kind of like, I know Marvin's having a hot day, but I, I'm too worried about becoming predictable and I'm going to go, I'm going to fight that and go away from it as opposed to they can't cover Marvin, keep giving the ball to Marvin. 
felt like a lot of times they try to find Tate or they try to you know try to force something to Riddick instead of going to the the match that was clearly the right one to do. Whereas Bevel doesn't seem too shy of saying, "Hey, Galladay's having a day. Keep going to Galladay all day." Yeah, no, that that's a very valid point. Because if you guys remember, I think it was week two or three, and I, I don't know if it's Baltimore or Miami, but someone came out and said, "Yeah, we knew what they were doing the whole day. They're pretty predictable." When they put Theo Riddick in, or like you know, come up with another example. We were predictable, so yeah. I I like that the game plan is just whatever's hot, go. Mm-hmm. No, I, I and I think that's the right thing, though. I think you gotta mm-hmm. you you gotta understand that like we're, we're a team that we've got a lot of talent. Someone's gonna have to have the day, and they're we're gonna have to focus in on that. If the running attack's not working, you need to not to be too shy of knowing you've got this really good young tight end. You've got a backup tight end who was pretty good in his own right in Pittsburgh. You've got three three receivers who are top tier. You've got a running back who we're very, very, very uh, invested in. So it's okay if we don't, ha- we don't have to necessarily feed carry-on on every single play to get to that, you know, that benchmark. We can, we can spread the ball out a little bit. We've got enough pieces here that we can spread the wealth, and whoever's having the day has the day. So yeah, we'll see what happens. That's how you stay unpredictable and productive. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's um let's switch on over to this week. This week uh this week to me kind of feels a little bit like the Michigan game. I don't really know how to call this one. I really some some part of me, you know, sees the 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 chance here because I listen, I like the guy. I think he's a he's he's a very good talent. I don't think Carson Wentz is the man that Philadelphia seems to believe him to be. He's a good quarterback. He's 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 a good quarterback. He's not some top tier talent. If if anything, I would say that Goff has separated himself in that draft class. I could be way out on a limb there, but I feel like Goff has separated himself from Carson Wentz in that draft class. Uh, he's injury prone. I don't think anybody can argue that. But he's got a lot of weapons around him. That's why I think he looks so much better when you have. Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz, a guy who I think is a top two tight end talent. You've got Howard. You've got Sproles. You've got enough pieces around there to be very, very competitive. That's what worries me. This is a really good offense we're going up against. And, oh, by the way, they don't have too bad of a defense either. So, I mean, Russ, when you look at this one, 65% favorite for uh, for Philadelphia. Spread six points. The over/under is forty-five and a half. Again, they're expecting some points here. I mean, what does this you uh, what does this almost said U of M? What does this Lions team have <laughs> to do to be effective in Philly? And what do you have it being at the end of the day in Philly? So, for them to be effective, they have to attack through the air. Right? Philly has been taken advantage of the first two weeks of the season with their pass deep, second most yards, second most passing touchdowns allowed, twenty-eighth mm-hmm. in sacks. Injuries are not helping that, right? Their whole defensive line is 